You're listening to the Choosing Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Robison. Every day we have the choice to walk in the freedom Christ offers or to lay it down in surrender to something other than the abundant life we are meant to live. God is actively pursuing you. He has an amazing plan for your life, and that plan includes walking in freedom. The Choosing Freedom Podcast is a place for us to discuss how we strategically apply the truth of who God says we are to the lies we believe and the challenges we face. So bring your brokenness, insecurities, and whatever holds you back and join us for authentic conversations about real issues, real hope, and real life change. What would it look like if we lived like we really believe God is for us? I don't mean we show up at church on Sunday and look the part or we have the most eloquent words to bless the food. None of the surface level stuff. Deeper than that. Let's be honest. Many of us are simply going through the motions, trying not to mess up, just avoiding sin the best way we know how. Then there are some of us who are reading our Bibles, maybe even leading a Bible study, serving and volunteering in our communities. Then some are dealing with really difficult people and praying we don't give them a piece of our minds today, considering it a win if we just keep it between the ditches. Some are going through all the motions of a life well-lived, while some of us are in a season that's really tough and it doesn't look like we thought it would. Maybe it's not what we would have chosen for ourselves, and it seems a bit surreal to lay hold of the knowledge that God is for us. But wherever we find ourselves today, this week, we are going to open our eyes with a certain mindset every single day, kind of a default mindset that's likely a pattern we've established either intentionally or unintentionally. Often when we first start our day, we aren't actually thinking about what we're thinking about. We just kind of roll with the free flow of thoughts or we grab our phone and allow it to dictate our first notion of the day. How often does it actually cross our minds that God is for us in real time? Let me propose an idea. (laughs) Work with me here. What if we could wake up to the thought, God is with me, like he's literally with me, beside me, in the same room or the same vehicle, and he's planning to go with me for the whole day, to class, to work, while I run errands, work out, while I tend to my home or someone that I care about, while I deal with that person who drives me nuts, when I get my feelings hurt, when I have to make that decision that's been so heavy on my heart. When I feel lonely or frustrated or overlooked, when I'm not sure what to do next, and when I'm afraid, when I feel overwhelmed, and even when I don't have the words for what I'm feeling, but I just know it's not good. What if we could settle into the mindset that God is for us and with us? Let's make this personal. Would you stroll into class or work with a different level of confidence, a completely different expression on your face? Maybe let someone's sharp words roll off your back because today, God is for you. So that negative garbage has no power over you. You don't have time to be annoyed by pettiness. Today, you are certain He is in your corner. How might our goals for today look different if we lived from the perspective that God is cheering us on? He is saying your name, and no matter what happens today, He has placed His covering of protection over you. What else might look different? What about patience? 
Would we be more patient with those in our path if we were constantly reminded that God is working everything out for our good? Then there's kindness. How much kinder would we be if we lived like He was for us? In the grocery store, at the game, in the gym, in the break room, in traffic. Oh, in generosity. This one could be really fun. How generous might we be if we stood in the fullness of who God says we are? What if fear played no part in our plans, our dreams, or stepping into our calling? That's a really big what if, isn't it? But what if every time we felt insecure or unprepared or came face to face with something difficult or unexpected, we said, I may not have all the answers, and I don't know exactly how this is going to play out, but God is for me. On our last podcast, we talked about living a life of no regrets and walking boldly in our giftings. In his book, Chase the Lion, Mark Batterson takes this subject a little further. He says that most of us spend our lives running away from the things we're afraid of, that we forget our dreams on the altar of fear, or we chase after the wrong things, that we're so busy climbing the ladder of success that we fail to recognize it's leaning against the wrong wall. And then he challenges us by saying, at the end of our lives, our greatest regrets will be the God-ordained opportunities, God-given passions, and the God-sized dreams we didn't go after because we let fear dictate our decisions. No one wants that to be their life's summation. So what if our default thinking always landed on the pivotal realization that God is for us? How can we arrive at such a place of peace and trusting? Can we just go ahead and acknowledge that this will be a lifelong journey of leaning in and pursuing a relationship with God? Every day, we will need a fresh supply of Him because what we had yesterday was only good for yesterday. Just like in the book of Exodus, God fed the Israelites fresh manna every day in the wilderness, but He only gave them enough for that day. Moses even told them not to keep any overnight. But those who didn't follow his instructions found their leftovers had spoiled by morning. Interestingly enough, on the sixth day, they were allowed to keep more because they were to rest on the Sabbath. And when they followed this instruction from God, their leftovers didn't spoil. The Israelites were daily dependent on the providence of God, and they trusted he would do what he said he would do. They didn't fret over where their next meal was coming from because they knew God was with them and for them. Our pursuit of Jesus is a choice we make over and over and over. It's an investment of eternal proportion. We won't finally arrive in our spiritual walk and no longer need this daily connection. We won't wake up one morning to find we are super holy and no longer beggars of mercy and forgiveness and restoration. But we will always find Him willing and capable to meet us where we are even if we wake up and realize we are somewhere we should never have been. His mercies are new every day, and there's never a time that His arms are not outstretched toward us. God is for us. God is personally and specifically for you. One of my sons loves the song, Whom Shall I Fear?, also known as God of Angel Armies by Chris Tomlin. This song was a source of encouragement to him at a time when he was dealing with a lot of fear, Here are a few of those lyrics. You hear me when I call. You are my morning song. Though darkness fills the night, it cannot hide the light. Whom shall I fear? You crush the enemy underneath my feet. You are my sword and shield. 
Though troubles linger still, whom shall I fear? I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side, and nothing formed against me shall stand. You hold the whole world in your hands, and I'm holding on to your promises. You are faithful. You are faithful. The Bible tells us an amazing story in 2 Kings 6 about the frustrated king of Aram who was at war with Israel. The king was planning to ambush Israel on more than one occasion, but a prophet named Elisha discerned these things and revealed them to the king of Israel. Over and over, the plans to sabotage the Israelites were thwarted, and the king of Aram became very angry. He thought he had a traitor among his own officers, but very quickly, when confronted, one of the officers informed him that the prophet Elisha was the one who was informing the king of Israel of his plans. Immediately, the livid king of Aram gave orders to find and capture Elisha. The next morning, when Elisha's servant walked outside, he was terrified to see a huge army with chariots and horses all around them. I think we can imagine the terror that coursed through his veins in that moment as he awaited Elisha's instruction. Elisha told the young man, Do not be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed God would open the eyes of the young man so that he could see what was happening on the spiritual battleground. And when he looked up, God allowed him to see the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Long and interesting story short, God struck the opposing army with blindness and delivered them into the hands of the Israelites. Elisha then told the king of Israel to give the prisoners food and water and then to send them home. The king winds up throwing them a big feast and allowing them to return home unharmed. From that time on, the Bible tells us that the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. I love this picture of how God took an army prepared to kill his people, showed them his power over them, and then met their basic needs and sent them back to their own people unharmed. Think of how humbling this must have been, knowing they could have all been slaughtered, but instead were invited for dinner. Can you imagine the stories they told their families? What an example of mercy. And what about Elisha's servant? Do you think his life was ever the same again? How generous of God to allow him to see into the spiritual realm. And notice, he couldn't see until that request was made of God. Elisha asked, and God provided something extraordinary and unexpected. Have you asked God for anything extraordinary lately? If not, ask God to reveal to you why you don't ask for the extraordinary. Now, can we just take a moment to consider this truth? The God of angel armies is always by our side. This is baffling to me, and I confess, I don't ponder this very often, but do you ever wish we could see them with our eyes, standing ready to defend us? I don't think I will ever stop longing for a deeper understanding of the reality of battle-ready angels standing equipped and prepared to fight for us to do the bidding of our indescribable God who loves you and loves me, who has a capacity for unconditional love and acceptance that we are incapable of understanding. I want to somehow grasp hold of this promise and better comprehend that he is for me. So I intend to keep searching and learning and praying for better understanding. Do you believe God is for you today? I'll be honest with you. For a long season, 
I could tell you all day long who God says you are and how loved you are, how you are meant for incredible things, how God is for you. But when it came to looking in the mirror, I just couldn't seem to take it in and make it mine. Somehow what I knew to be truth for you, for others, did not feel like truth for me. And I have since learned that even though I felt alone in that mindset, I was not. I partnered with the lies of the enemy that the goodness of God was meant for everyone else, but I simply wasn't measuring up. Have you ever felt like that? It's a real thin ice perspective. Because once we start going down that path, we are no longer pursuing purpose or operating in our gifts. We are agreeing with the lies that we are unworthy or in some way not good enough or less than who God said He created us to be. When we enter into agreement with the lies, without using these words, we essentially tell God that He messed up when He made us. We doubt His perfection when we forget who He says we are. We doubt that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We doubt He is always with us. And when we do this, even though we may not verbalize it, we live like we don't believe His word. Though we may never say that, It is often how we live. We can think ourselves into a black hole of insecurity and uncertainty, and that black hole has many channels that may look like despair, anxiety, self-hatred, depression, loneliness, unworthiness, and so on. When we talk about being intentional, this is one of the ways we do it. We pay closer attention to where our minds are traveling, and we plan an intervention. We take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5. Friends, if you don't have this scripture written down or memorized for regular reminders, I urge you to do that. This scripture is a powerful weapon that you can use over and over for the rest of your life. It is living and active. Now let's jump into some truths that dispel the lies and confirm God is for us. If we go to the book of Romans, we find the Apostle Paul writing to a group of believers he had never met in Rome. He wanted to introduce himself to them before they met him and kind of, to my understanding, set the stage for who he was and what he believed. He covers some incredible ground in this book, and we are going to touch only a small section of that today. Beginning in Romans 5, Paul tells us that we have access to God through Jesus and that because of that access, we now stand in grace. He goes on to say that when we experience suffering, we can remain joyful because That suffering produces perseverance, and the perseverance produces character, and the character produces hope. So in other words, he's saying that suffering leads to hope. That suffering part kind of makes me cringe, but I want more of the hope portion. So I keep reading and asking questions. Verse 5 tells us that hope does not disappoint us. Hope, by definition, is a feeling of expectation or a desire for a certain thing to happen. Verses 6 through 8 are some of my favorites because Paul says that at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right in the middle of our mess, He gave up everything for us. At the same time, He's watching us fail. He willingly sacrificed Himself. Then Paul says in Romans 8.31, What then shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He doesn't say we won't struggle, but he reminds us that God is for us in whatever situation we are in. 
Second Chronicles chapter 20 tells us not to be afraid because the battle is not ours. It is God's. Deuteronomy 24 tells us that God fights our enemies for us to give us victory. He wants us to live from a position of victory. How might that change our mindset over this day if we live like, God is for me. He will give me victory. Joshua 1.9 reminds us to be strong and courageous, not afraid or discouraged, for God will be with us wherever we go. Psalm 44.5 phrases it a little differently and says, Through you, we will push back our adversaries. Through your name, we will trample down those who rise up against us. This verse may make us think of a difficult person or an area of our lives where we feel like the enemy is throwing punches at us. Remember that God is for you. And when you surrender whoever and whatever you're facing to Him, He will fight for you. Verse 6 goes on to say, I put no trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory, but you give us victory over our enemies. You put our adversaries to shame. Notice, He has a bow and a sword. He is obedient. He shows up and He's prepared. But God brings the victory. Joshua 23.10 confirms that God fights for us just as he promised he would do. Atop my list of favorites is Isaiah 54, 17, because it promises that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Notice it doesn't say no weapon will be formed against us. It says no weapon formed against us will prosper. You see, the devil isn't going to allow us to just run full speed after Jesus. No, he's going to do his best to make us stumble and second guess ourselves. He will remind us of our shortcomings or our past, or try to hold us in bondage to perfectionism, whatever we allow to distract us. And you can bet if you have a tender place where you feel vulnerable, He's going to go after it. But God has already promised us the win. We get the championship ring. You see, living an abundant life doesn't just mean we avoid hell. It is living a life of abundance here and now in the land of the living. God is for us. He does not reject us. He is not mad at us. He wants us to live in freedom. Pine Lake Church pastor Chip Henderson said, we get mad at ourselves and we project that onto God. Guys, we totally do this, don't we? We tend to think that God thinks like we do. And scripture plainly tells us in Isaiah 55 that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So, okay, how do we play this out? If God is for me, how do I wake up differently with a Jesus filter over my eyes? Because when I say I want that, I really do want that. I mean, I really, really want that. So where is the practicality in living that life? What specifically does that look like? Not for a minute will I say I have this all figured out. This is going to be a very long period of seeking for answers and wisdom. And if we choose to walk this one out, we are going to learn a lot about ourselves in the process. Norman Vincent Peale said, for us to practice believing by simply affirming, God is with me. God is helping me. God is guiding me. And to spend several minutes each day visualizing His presence, then practice believing that affirmation. That may feel a little weird at first to say we're going to try to visualize His presence, but the more I learn about living like I believe God really loves me, the more I realize sometimes I have to get over myself. We can't afford to get hung up on thinking about whether drawing nearer to God is going to stretch us out of our comfort zone. 
Sometimes we have to make a choice to get out of our own way or we will never experience anything more than what we know in this moment. That brings me to a serious question. Not serious as in make you feel uncomfortable kind of serious, but serious as in deliberate. What position are we giving God in our lives? Are we giving Him authority or simply choosing a shallow religious relationship that really doesn't inconvenience us? Are we giving the Holy Spirit access to the steering wheel or are we asking Him to sit quietly in the back seat until we ask for His insight? You see, we can put Jesus in the corner, but still claim to know Him. We can skirt around a true relationship with Him without ever really committing to go all in. We can wear the t-shirt and then toss it on the floor as we head out the door for the weekend. We can even say we are believers, but actually be more negotiators than followers, trying to take what He says and bend it to fit our agendas. We can give Him access to portions of our lives, but keep other parts to ourselves. So. We have to have a get real assessment if we want to be more than we are right now. Pastor Chip Ingram said, faith is always rooted in the character of God and the promises he makes. If you have a small God, you will always have big, overwhelming problems. But if you have a big God, then little by little, those problems you face won't necessarily be less painful, but they will start to become smaller and smaller. What are we believing? A better question may be, what do I live like I believe? Ouch, this one stings a little. And honestly, for me, I think it depends on the day. I don't like to admit that, but some days it's just easier than others to wake up in a grateful mindset. Some days I wind up really disappointed in myself because it took me much longer than it should have to set my mind on things above. Some days when I get cut off in traffic or another driver is recklessly riding my bumper, my knee-jerk reaction doesn't get filtered through Jesus on its way out of my mouth. So you all just need to know I'm still working on some things. And it's been a real relief for me to accept that I will never stop learning. I will never stop growing. I will never stop hungering for more of who God is. And I will never stop being grateful for grace, for God's undeserved favor. I realize that imperfection is part of all of our stories, but I also know that freedom is meant to be a much bigger part. Do we believe God is for us? I hope you will take this question before the Lord. Use the scriptures we've talked about, and don't be afraid to ask God about things you don't understand. God can handle our questions and our uncertainties, and I believe it brings Him honor when we show Him that we care enough about our relationship with Him to ask hard questions. Before we talk a little more about praying through this, let me speak to the issue of how we address God. There are countless reverent ways to address God in prayer, and sometimes you will hear me address Him as Father. I want to pause to acknowledge that everyone may not use that title for God when praying. Not everyone has a positive association with that name because of a flawed relationship with an earthly father. If this is something you relate to, I want to encourage you to bring this to God and tell Him what is on your heart. Earthly fathers are given a tremendous responsibility, and we are all aware that not all of them fill that role as God intended. If I may, I would like to ask you to try to view the title Father as a title that belonged to God first. All throughout Scripture, God is referenced as Father. Our Heavenly Father was meant to be the example for our earthly fathers, not the other way around. 
Earthly dads are meant to emulate God, demonstrating unconditional love, forgiveness, compassion, and kindness. When they miss that mark, it can impact our perception of God and His desire for good things for us. His unconditional love may seem out of reach or unrealistic if we weren't shown those appropriate examples by our earthly parent. My prayer is that you will allow God to rewrite your story with the title Father, that you will ask Him what He wants you to know about being your Father, and that you will lean into what He has to say specifically to you. Romans 8.15 tells us that we have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. In an article written by Caitlin Donahue, she tells of the struggle in her own life and the longing she had for her father. She wrote, and I quote, While kneeling before God, I discovered that He is not distracted or absent, but with me always, and interested in every detail of my life. It is here at the feet of my Heavenly Father that I have found and continue to find healing from the hole that my Father's absence in my life created. Unquote. Christine Kane stated, Even if people have disappointed you or circumstances have not turned out as you had hoped or prayed, know that God is still with you. He cares for you and loves you. He is working all these things together for your good right at this very moment. God knows this part of your story. And just like in every other part of our lives where we feel broken or as though there's a void, God wants to restore us and heal our hurts and fill our longings. This brings to mind the lyrics of another song by Chris Tomlin, Good, Good Father. I remember the first time I heard it, it struck a different chord with me because I had special people in my life who did not have the kind of relationship with their father that emulated God's love. And I didn't know how this song would make them feel. But to my relief, it was a sweet reminder to them of how they truly are unconditionally loved by God. And I believe it's also a great reminder that the title of Father first came from heaven, and it was meant to be a title that represented a place of refuge, safety, wisdom, and acceptance. The song begins by saying, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. He loves us because it's who he is, and who you are is loved by him. He is for us. Psalm 25, 4 through 5 says, Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. This verse is a great prayer all by itself. Father, show me the right path to follow. Lead me by your truth. Teach me. Thank you that you are my God who saves me. All day long, I will hope in you. Help me to trust you more. Use me to bring hope to those around me. In Jesus' name. Let's bring some of the other scriptures together and consider how we may choose to pray those verses. God, I thank you that you have given us access to you through Jesus. It is so humbling that while I was still sinning, Jesus willingly laid down his life for me, and I will be forever grateful. Thank you that you tell me not to be afraid 
because you know that fear is always trying to have its way with me. Thank you that you assure me that the battle is not mine, but that you fight for me. Make me strong and courageous for the things that are most important to you. I claim your promise that no weapon formed against me will prosper, and I ask you to give me wisdom and discernment as I try to learn and live from a perspective that you are for me. I ask you to show me what that looks like for me right now in this season of my life. Let it begin today. I want to trust you more. Give me eyes to see those around me the way you do and grant me courage and boldness to share your immeasurable love and mercy. In Jesus' name. 1 John 4.4 4 tells us that greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. He is with us and he is for us. Charles Stanley once said, wherever you go, God is with you watching over you, protecting you, and providing the truth you need for every situation. The question is, will you open your heart to His Word, apply it to your life, and allow God to change you so that He can use you in ways far greater than you can imagine? In Ephesians 3, He tells us that He is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Because of this, and because 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us that we have the mind of Christ, we are given the ability and the opportunity to make choices we may have never thought possible, choices that have impact. I recently read an excerpt from a journal entry by Max Licato that I think is a sweet indication of how we can choose to live differently when we believe God is for us. I'm going to share portions of it with you here, and you can find it in its entirety in his books, Let the Journey Begin and When God Whispers Your Name. It's quiet. It's early. The world is still asleep. The day is coming, and in a few moments, the day will arrive. It will roar down the track with the rising of the sun. The stillness of the dawn will be exchanged for the noise of the day. The calm of solitude will be replaced by the pounding pace of the human race. The refuge of the early morning will be invaded by decisions to be made and deadlines to be met. For the next 12 hours, I will be exposed to the day's demands. It is now that I must make a choice. Because of Calvary, I am free to choose. And so, I choose. I choose love. No occasion justifies hatred. Today I will love what God loves. I choose joy. I'll invite my God to be the God of circumstance. I will refuse to see people as anything less than human beings created by God. I will refuse to see any problem as anything less than an opportunity to see God. I choose peace. I will live forgiven. I will forgive so that I may live. I choose patience. I will overlook the inconveniences of the world. Instead of cursing the one who takes my place, I'll invite him to do so. Rather than complain that the wait is too long, I will thank God for a moment to pray. Instead of clenching my fist at new assignments, I will face them with joy and courage. I choose kindness. I will be kind to the poor because they are alone kind to the rich, for they are afraid, and kind to the unkind, for such is how God has treated me. I choose goodness. I will go without a dollar before I take a dishonest one. I will be overlooked before I will boast. I will confess before I accuse. I choose gentleness. If I clench my fist, may it only be in prayer. If I make a demand, may it only be of myself. I choose faithfulness. Today I will keep my promises. My debtors will not regret their trust. My associates will not question my word. 
I choose self-control. After this body is dead, my spirit will soar. I refuse to let what will rot rule the eternal. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. To these I commit my day. If I succeed, I will give thanks. If I fail, I will seek His grace. That's quite a goal, and definitely written from a perspective that God is for Him. As we close our time together, I encourage you to search scriptures that tell you who God says you are and claim those declarations over your life. Say them out loud. Put notes on your mirror or your nightstand or on the dash of your car, in the reminders of your phone, whatever it takes to remember. You are chosen. You are loved. You are accepted. You are cherished. You are equipped. You are enough. And you can do hard things because God is for you. Stand in the fullness of your identity and choose your freedom. Thank you for listening to the Choosing Freedom podcast. If this episode blessed you, please help others find us. First, we hope you will subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. Then if you're enjoying the show, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. This makes it easier for others to find us and it is a great way for us to get to know a little bit about you. We would also love for you to share this episode with someone you care about. You can follow Choosing Freedom on Instagram and Facebook at Choosing Freedom Podcast and on Twitter at I Chose Freedom 23. If you or someone you know have a testimony that relates to your freedom in Christ and you would like for us to consider reading it on a few Future episode, email us at choosingfreedompodcast at gmail.com. We are so grateful for you and look forward to our next time together on the Choosing Freedom Podcast. Oh, 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 oh,